the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stopping. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you've joined us here at Victory Christian Fellowship. And if you're watching online, we just want to welcome you also. It is a good day to be in God's house with God's people. Father, we are so grateful and thankful that we serve a big and good God like you. Lord, we put our trust in you, and you will not fail us. You will not leave us. You will not let us down. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise as we give you all the glory and all the praise today. We welcome your presence here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand together. Are you ready to worship this morning? 
worship for a moment. right now for all who desire all who would like to just come out of your seat right now come up to the front and just worship the Lord unrestrained unrestricted worship just come up front right now in the name of Jesus come and get before the Lord come before the throne room get at his feet come on we're going to have a breakthrough worship moment right now this is a holy moment This is a divine exchange. Oh, Lord, we love you. We're not holding back, Lord. We come before you. We bow before you, Lord. We hunger and thirst after righteousness. Oh, we call upon you, God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Oh, I want more. I want more. I want more. I'm pressing in with my worship, with my faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. 
to your presence there's no place I'd rather be than in your presence your presence is so precious it's so pure it's so holy hallelujah oh thank you Lord Jesus and I thank you Father That as we hunger and thirst after your righteousness, you fill us, you satisfy us, you cause us to overflow. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. I have left heaven to come to find you. I have searched with you with passion and love and I have found you and you are mine. So come after me as I have come after you. Pursue me as the deer pursues the water. Come to me and you will find grace, you will find strength and you will find help and healing for your soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, You know, sometimes it's worth getting out of the boat and walking on water. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord. You may have your seats. Praise God. Oh, I'll tell you what. Whew. Man. God is here. Ready to do great and mighty things. Hallelujah. I want to share with you that um, on Wednesday when we were doing worship, the Lord showed me this, um, this picture of, and the question was asked, what is the gap between your love for the thing you most cherish on earth and me? I taught this on, at Woven, so it's online if you want to listen to it. I highly recommend you listen to it. But you have to decide if you have a love relationship with God or a 
transactional relationship with God, where you are employed by God. So he's your employee or and you're his employee. Or are you in love with each other? He's in love with you. But are you in love with God? That's a very important question we should ask ourselves. So I taught all about it at Woven so that the ladies that are here, they know exactly what's happening. But the ladies that were at Woven that are here. (laughs) But Revelation chapter 4 is also something you should read, which I spoke about before. So you have the right picture. It, It helps you focus because then you know where you are putting your attention when you're worshiping God. This is a very important thing. And I believe God is getting us ready to enter his presence like that as a church, as, as a body of Christ on the earth. You have to know, we have the privilege to do this because we have accepted what Jesus did. Not everybody can go in front of the throne and worship like that and have access. And I felt like while we were worshiping, it was tough for some people because your mindset and you've been taught God is there and I'm here. And how can we touch God? We can't, That's the whole point. That's why Jesus came. So we can touch God. He's not too powerful that he'll kill us. <laughs> he made us. Amen. So we can touch God and he can touch us. But he is his hands already like that. It's our move. Amen. So I just encourage you as a church, let us all fall in love with God. Not just be employees of the kingdom. Let us be lovers of God. Amen. Amen? It's going to soften your response to God. It's going to, you're not going to care about what people are doing around you. You're going to be with God, worshiping. Any opportunity you get to worship God, it's just going to be like that. Amen? And all the stereotypes that society has put on gender and age and all this stuff about, you know, you can't show emotions and all this nonsense. <laughs> it is from the devil. It's not from God. David, a king, danced and showed his private parts while he was dancing. He was dancing so vigorously. Amen? And the person that criticized it became barren. So God is jealous about his worship from us. He's, he watches over. He's jealous about it. So don't be the person that distracts a worshiper. You don't want to be there. Don't be the person that interrupts worship or criticizes it. Be the one that worships. Amen? There's my soapbox for worship. Amen. <laughs> well, we want to invite everyone to join us as we make our confession of faith based on Ephesians and Romans. Let's make our confession. We, we ask, ask our God, God the, the glorious Father of Jesus, Jesus for, for spiritual wisdom and insight, and insight that, that we, we may grow in our knowledge of God, God We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with him. We believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding, so we can know what he has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from his rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in his immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. 
God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. Hallelujah. At victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm a little bit of a day, so work with me. Alright, um, Tuesday, January 25th, we have youth at 6 p.m. And we have been doing a lot of cooking and baking. So there are new treats back there for everyone. We have chocolate with pretzels, peanuts, and coconut. And there is Muddy Buddies and Brownie Chow. And we have coffee. And the big finale is we made homemade chicken noodle soup yesterday, fresh for you guys to participate in. And it was Josh's first time making soup not from a can. How awesome is that? We are learning all sorts of new skills at youth group. Um, Wednesday night is Wednesday Night Refreshing, which is at 6.30. And this Saturday, January 29th at 8.30 in the morning, is the Barnabas Breakfast. So come on out for that. They always have good food, have discussions, hear a message from Pastor Doug. And in our bookstore, Pastor Doug's has his library, and there's over 100 items of all sorts of CDs, books, and DVDs. Um, all the people you can think of to listen to, Kenneth Hagen, Keith Moore, Jesse Duplantis, Dr. Ron Charles, who has spoken here before. There's all sorts of great speakers in there to listen to. I listen to them in my car all the time, so it's awesome. So feel free to check that out. All right, so my fact that I learned is I learned about bacteria. And scientists used to think that, you know, bacteria is just like floating around out there. That is false. Um, We have learned that they actually, the bacteria has the ability to combine together and form like a film, which is why it has become like antibiotic resistant sometimes. So when it combines, they are chemically communicating to resist the antibiotics. However, it's not like God didn't see this coming. Um, (laughs) So there is a way to actually combat that, and it is actually through silver. So silver has a particle in it, and the reason it works, it's zinc and silver. The reason it works is there's an electrical charge inside this particle that can actually break up the communication in the film. There goes the bacteria, right? Um, and the particle charge is so strong that you only need one particle out of a billion particles. Not a million, a billion particles. 
Yeah, one particle of silver and a billion other particles will do the trick against the bacteria. Isn't that amazing? That is huge. Like, that's just amazing. So I was reading um, in Romans, and Romans 8.18 says that I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory about to be unveiled within us. So I just want to encourage you today that the word of God, which has been purified seven times and is as purer than silver, is that electrical charge inside of you. So no matter where you are, at work, school, the grocery store, you only need you for the light to shine and for that electrical charge to do some damage to the enemy. Amen. And we are refined like silver. Hallelujah. Well, someone say praise the Lord. I want to share something with you from Judges chapter 14. Do you know that God knows the future? God appeared to a a lady, told her that she was going to have a son. She had problems conceiving. And uh, this was Samson's mom. And uh, she told her husband, and then her husband said, well, I want to hear him too. So uh, he, he asked, and uh, um, in verse 9, the Bible says, God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again. How many know that if you miss something, you can ask God, and he'll show it to you? Because God is gracious. Right. And uh, so the angel appeared again and they gave him in Manoah said, how am I going to raise this son? And God told him exactly what to do with his child. Right. And uh, later, uh, you know, he gave her instructions. Now, whenever God shows you something or whenever God tells you something, it's good to bless God with an offering. All right. And here's what Manoah did in verse 15, Judges uh, 13, 15. Sorry, I'm sorry. I said 14 earlier. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you. Let us prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering um, to offer to the Lord... Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. This was Jesus before he was Jesus. You're going to find out here in just a minute. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that when your words come true, we may honor you? Notice it was in Manoah's heart to honor the Lord. And the angel said unto him, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Wonderful, counselor, mighty God. Amen. Sound familiar? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed miracles while Manoah and his wife looked on. I don't know what miracles he did, but the offering brought miracles into manifestation. For when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the in the altar flame. He travels by fire. 
And Manoah and his wife, uh, when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And uh, then Manoah realized that this was the Lord and said, oh, we've seen the Lord and we're going to die. And his wife said, oh, honey, we're not going to die. If, he, if we were going to die, he'd have killed us already. And besides, he received the offering. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, God is in the giving business. And he celebrates giving. And if you're a giver, you celebrate God. Amen? And I just encourage you to, we have to depart from our religious mindset when it comes to giving. Let me just read you some quotes. Money, this is unknown. Money is so intimately related to the possessor that we cannot give money without giving ourselves. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Right? Legalism focuses on how little to give. Love focuses on how much can I give. The happiest people on earth are the people who have discovered the joy of giving. And then the... Strong faith looks at giving as an opportunity. So we have an opportunity every time that we come together. Amen? And some people think, well, God just wants your money. Well, doesn't the entertainer just want your money? How about the athlete who negotiates for large contracts? I'm not against large contracts, but when you go see a ball game, do they give it to you for free? Oh, what are they into? Money. (laughs) But God's not into money, but he's into blessing. So you put your seed in the ground and he'll make it grow. Amen. For Father... I pronounce a blessing on these wonderful, fantastic, incredible givers. Lord, and I thank you that they are protected, prospered, and provided for in all things in Jesus' name. And those of you that are here, you can give any time during the service. If you're watching online, go to our website and give that way. Amen? Hallelujah. And you'll be celebrated by God. All right, we got some awesome kids and kids' life teachers. Kids, uh, teachers who are teaching our kids to live in faith every day, amen. So kids, we want to dismiss you to your class. Have a great class. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Well, who's hungry for some fresh manna today? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Look at your neighbor and say, there's life in this here bread. <laughs> so we've been on a journey in January to become kingdom-minded. Kingdom you know, we live in a kingdom, not a democracy, and I'm talking about heaven. You know, heaven is ruled by a king, and he made kings and priests on earth. He's the king of kings. So the kings that he's king of ought to be kingdom-minded. And we can be like our king. We can think like our king. Amen? And um, we have to think like kings. You know, what would something look like in God's kingdom? What would a, a marriage look like? What would a relationship look like? What would a career look like? What would being rich in his kingdom look like? Amen. How about being healed? Not just healed, but how about walking in divine health? Amen. 
I remember Brother Hagin used to say, I passed up marvelous opportunities to have a headache. He said, my last headache was like 1940-something or whatever. And he would quote the day and what day it was. And, uh, but, you know, aren't you glad that we can change our minds? And if, if we have been living short of what God wants us to have, we can change our minds. And when we change our minds, we will change our lives. You know, our, our minds are kind of like the control center. They are the go-between between this physical realm and the spiritual realm, right? Things have to pass through your soul to get to your spirit, amen? And uh, so when, before we were born again, we had a fallen mind. And uh, let me go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 to begin for today. And then today we're going to learn how we can renew our minds. How many want to renew your minds? You know, if God didn't think it was important, he wouldn't have put it in the Bible. But he did put it in the Bible. And um, our spirits, when, you, when someone accepts Jesus, your spirit is born again, but your body has to be subdued and your mind has to be renewed every day. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 17... It says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth, hereafter, walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their what? In the vanity of their mind. Okay? Having their understanding darkened, being alienated, from the life of God. I don't want a dark understanding, and I don't want to be alienated from the life of God. Therefore, I'm not going to live by my natural mind. I'm going to live by my spiritual mind, because I'm going to feed my mind with spiritual information. He says, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice, Your heart and your mind are connected. All right? And uh, they, verse 19 says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's no holds barred sinning. Whatever goes is whatever you can have. That's what lasciviousness is. To work all uncleanness... With greediness, now look at verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Christ came to deliver us from sin. And he did. And along with delivering us from sin, he had to show us how to live in the kingdom because we lost our way. We didn't know how to live in the kingdom. Adam did for a short time, but then he gave it up. He quit living in the kingdom, and he started living in this natural world. And so um, we had a fallen mind, and in the book of Romans, it talks about a reprobate mind or a depraved mind. And I'm, we're not going to go there, but I'm just going to give you some cliff notes or highlights of what that is. All right? They knew God, but they didn't honor him. What a sad thing to know God, but yet not to honor him. 
They didn't value him or give thanks to him. This is all from Romans 1. When their thinking became worthless, their heart was darkened. Notice their thinking became worthless. They claimed to be wise, but they were really fools. They placed more importance and value on creation than the creator. The lust of their hearts became the dominating force in their life. That was their focus, their passion, and their words and their action. Sin degrades us and brings us lower and lower, doesn't it? Sin is not our friend. Sin, it may look good, smell good, and feel good, but it'll destroy you. All right? So, the, the depraved mind, it doesn't acknowledge God. This is from verse 28 in Romans 1. And it doesn't want to know him. Someone whose mind doesn't, they don't have a mind after God, they're not going to want to pursue him. They're not going to want to follow him, and they're certainly not going to want to obey him. Okay? And uh, here's what they do. People with a depraved mind. The Bible says they're filled with every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, mean-spiritedness. Right? They gossip, they spread rumors, they slander, they hate God. They're insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of new forms of evil. This is from the Amplified. See, I don't want that kind of mind. You don't have to have that kind of mind, praise the Lord. All right? They're disobedient, disrespectful, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. And you know what? We see this happening in the world today. People behave this way. Right? When... Um, when a homosexual goes to a baker and says, I want to make a cake, and he says, well, I'm not going to make you a cake, and then they force him to make a cake. That's being boastful. That's arrogant, right? Go to another baker. I mean, really. All right? So people who had a depraved mind, like Jannies and Jambres, you know, they were the magicians that opposed Moses. And uh, they realized that they got to a point where they said, this is the hand of God. We can't do anything else. Aren't you glad that the devil's power is limited and God is not limited? Amen. Hallelujah. Can you imagine in, um, in Matthew 16 when Peter rebuked Jesus? Peter was out of his mind. Right? Jesus said, I'm going I'm to go and die and be offered. And, and Peter said, oh, no, you're not. He was messing with God's plan. Peter was not thinking right in that moment. You gotta, you gotta be crazy to rebuke Jesus. <laughs> right? And, uh, so let's get our mindset on spiritual things. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. How many love Jesus today? Yeah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, that's what their mind is set on. That's how they operate. That's how they function. That's um, what leads them. Okay? But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. How many are after the spirit today? 
So then you set your mind on spiritual things. You engage in spiritual conversations, right? You live a spiritual life. Guess what? You're a spiritual being, right? You're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And everything you do is spiritual, but it's either good or bad. You're either being influenced by God or you're being influenced by another spirit. Amen? There's no gray area. Don't worry, I'm getting to the good part here. Okay? We have the ability to set our mind. All right? Go to Colossians chapter 3. You know, in this um, sanctuary, we have thermostats. We actually have four thermostats in this building. One for this area, one for this area, one for that area, and one for that corner over there. Right? And the thing about a thermostat is you can set a temperature. Right? I think it's set to 71 or 72 degrees right now. And once it's set, I don't have to keep changing it. Right? It will regulate itself. If it gets too hot, It'll back off the heat. If it gets too cold, the fire will kick in. Amen? And it it keeps it at that degree that it's set on. How many has ever used a cruise control in a car? Right? Especially on the highway. When you've got a long distance, you know, you don't want your foot to get stiff, so you put the cruise control on. It'll keep it at 70. You know, hopefully... That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but what does your car do? It keeps it at that speed. Why? Because that's what it was set on. What is your mind set on? Did you know that you can adjust the settings of your mind? You can change the settings. If it's not set on the right thing... Just change it. Just adjust it. Amen? When the radio's too loud, turn it down. If you don't like what's on TV, change the channel. Amen? (coughs) All right, Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. If you be risen with Christ, how many people here are risen with Christ? So this is the group he's talking to. Okay? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Notice this next phrase. Set your affection or your mind or your soul on things above. Do you have a below setting or an above setting? What influences you more? What level Are you getting your information? What level is leading you, above or below? I'd rather be above water than below water, unless I have a scuba tank, right? But even then, even with a scuba tank, you're limited. You've got a limited amount of air that you can use. Everybody say, I'm setting my affections above. Notice on things above. Whatever Christ, how he lives, how he acts, how he speaks, how he treats people, how he loves the world, those are things above. 
didn't Deuteronomy say, he said, you are above and not beneath? He was prophesying that we can live according to a different standard. Yes, we're living on this earth, but we can live according to heaven's standards. Pastor Hagen of Rhema Bible Church lives by a standard. He says, I will not be defeated. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. And he lives by that. That's his motto, right? He lives above, amen? In any challenge that he fa- and believe me, he's faced some challenges over the years. He's, I've heard him testify how he sat on two filing cabinets with a wood door and that's where he wrote the first Rhema curriculum as it began in 1974, the first Rhema class had 58 people. Now they have 264 schools around the world teaching the same thing, teaching the same message of faith. Amen? But don't think that that was without any challenges. And believe me, you've got to set your mind above when you face challenges. Victory is above. Healing is above. Overcoming is above. Prosperity is above. Amen? Verse 3, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When did you die? You died when you accepted Jesus. He, he, he came out of death and brought life so that he could bring us out of the dead to life. Amen? Say, I'm dead. Paul said he dies daily. What does that mean? That means he, he has to, every day we're going to have opportunities to deny the flesh. Because if you, if you haven't figured it out yet, your flesh wants, 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 wants. And it never has enough. Because even when it gets enough, it still wants more. Proof in point, Thanksgiving. I'm too full. Four hours later, give me a sandwich. Amen? Isn't that true? You, you thought your body had enough, but then it still wants more food. All right? Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life. Listen, that's the point. You've got to make Christ your life. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. It doesn't mean I go to church. But it means I live in the way that Christ lived. I speak in the way that Christ, I think in the way that Christ thought. Amen? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, the members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, Inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. (laughs) That's evil desire, but I love the word concupiscence. And covetousness, which is idolatry. Did you ever know that covetousness is idolatry? People who are, are all about money, they're making it an idol. God's not, God's not upset if you have money. Abraham had money. Isaac had money. Jacob had money, David had money, Jehoshaphat had money, Hezekiah had money, Ruth had money, she married into money. Esther had money. Come on, somebody, these are all servants of God. So, say, God doesn't mind me having money. But he minds if money has you. 
How do you prevent money having you be a great giver? Amen? Look at verse 6. If you don't rid yourself of these things, for the thing, for which things sake the rate for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. If you're not cleansing yourself of these, you're disobeying God. In which also you walked sometime when you lived in them. Alright? So aren't you glad that we can set our mind? We can get off this earthly mentality and we can think on heavenly mentality. Now we sang this today. I want you to go to Isaiah twenty six. We sang this today. Hallelujah. Isaiah 26, your mind can produce some powerful results. And um, look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. How many would like to have perfect peace? You could be walking on this earth. And trouble could be happening. You'd be like, oh, I just praise the Lord. Trouble's happening here. Trouble's happening there. Trouble's happening here. Trouble's happening here. But you're like, I just praise the Lord. Why? I'm in perfect peace. Do you realize that when Jesus walked this earth, he walked in perfect peace? Because he was constantly thinking about what the Father wants, what the Father thinks, what the Father desires. All right, notice this verse. This is powerful. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In order to have perfect peace has a lot to do with your mind. The reason that you don't have perfect peace is your mind is on something else. You're distracted from God. And your mind is some. Have you ever heard someone say, get your mind in the game? You know, if an athlete wants to perform at peak performance, he's got to have his mind and his body engaged in the game, in the competition, right? Athletics are both physically demanding and mentally demanding. You know, I was a pitcher uh, back in uh, when I played baseball, and it's as much a mental game as it is a physical game. You know, you act like you're going to throw a fastball and you just lob it over. That's called a changeup, right? You trick, you want to trick the batter. You think, you, you make him think that a fastball is coming and he's ready for a fastball and you throw it slow and it throws off his timing. Listen to what the Amplified says. Hallelujah. You will keep him in perfect and constant peace. The one whose mind is steadfast. That is, committed and focused on you in both inclination and character. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. What your mind is focused on will determine what you have. I want perfect peace. The Bible said we can have perfect peace. Perfect peace, right? Philippians describes this peace as a peace that passes understanding. But you got to, in order to have perfect peace, you got to get rid of anxiety. You got to get rid of worry, right? Those are forms of fear. 
God did not give you a spirit of fear. So when you get rid of anxiety and you're looking to God for the answer, then perfect peace, a peace that passes understanding, it comes on you. It keeps your heart and your mind on Christ. So that... You're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you hear, right? People told Jesus, they said, we're going to kill you. And he says, okay, I'll just walk away. And they'd be like, where did he go? I was going to kill him. Yeah. He just, why? He walked in perfect peace. People criticize Jesus. Can you imagine criticizing someone who's perfect? Did that bother him? No. Did that deter him? No. Did that stop him? No. But how many people have been stopped by a critic? They get off the plan of God because they've been criticized. You hurt my feelings. They're being sense ruled. Yes, we have feelings. And yes, our feelings can be hurt. But through God, we can rise above that. And we can walk in perfect peace. But it has a lot to do with your mind. Perfect, complete peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. The peace of God. It's the peace that Jonah had when he was in the belly of the fish. You need some peace if you're there. Right? It was the peace that Daniel had as he slept on a lion bed. You're, you're thrown into a, a cave or a thing of hungry lions that hadn't been fed for a while. You need some peace, right? It was the peace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had as they were being thrown into a fiery furnace. Yeah, you know, if you don't worship the, this golden statue of me, says the king, I'm going to throw you in the fire furnace. Oh, king, oh, majesty, we're not going to bow. I don't care what you do, what you say, we're not going to bow. They had perfect peace. Okay, throw us in. They bound them. You know, they didn't fight back. Why? They were in perfect peace. And what happened when they were in the fire? Someone else joined them in the fire. The Prince of Peace was there with them. They were in fire, and their hair wasn't singed, and they didn't even smell like smoke. That's what the perfect peace will do to you. You think Paul had needed perfect peace when he was, when the ship that he was on was about to be wrecked? An angel of God was sent to him and said, no one's gonna be, no life, no life is gonna be lost. There was 200 and some people on that ship. And the only person who's looking to God is Paul. And he told him from the start, don't go. But he's not the captain of the ship. Right? He can't control what the captain does. It's not his ship. He was a prisoner. So they went, and they encountered a storm. And for 14 days, they didn't eat. For 14 days, it was dark. They had to remove all the tackle and everything on the ship. But there an angel appeared to Paul in the midst of a storm. And he gave him hope, and he gave him peace. And Paul knew that no one was going to lose their life. The entire ship broke apart. And people had to swim on boards. Some people had to swim, but everyone made it to the shore. Why? Because of the perfect peace that came in the moment of the worst trial and worst trouble. 
Are you ready to walk in this peace? We've got to do something with our minds. You can't just be focused on natural things. You've got to be focused on spiritual things. Someone say amen. amen. Let's go to um, let's go to Psalm 26. Did you know that God will test your mind? Well, I thought he knows our thoughts. Yeah, he knows your thoughts, but the test is for us, not for him. Right? Every test that we face, it's never for God. God already knows the answer. He's the answer key. But it's for us. All right? Psalm 26 gives us ways that we can pass God's test. Okay? Notice what he says in verse, verses 1 and 2. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. You know, God will put your integrity to the test. If you claim to walk in integrity, God says, really? Let's just test. Let's just put that to the test. You know? If you walk into a jeweler and you want to sell some gold, they're not just going to take your, your word for it that this is gold. They're going to put a little test to it, right? They got a little chemical that they can test if it's how gold. Is it 24 karat gold? Is it 10 karat gold? They're going to test it, right? They want to make sure it's authentic and genuine. As Christians, we need to be genuine. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. See, when you trust in the Lord, you know you're not going to slide, slip, or fall. Glory to God. Verse 2. Examine me. Isn't that a test? Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins or my emotions and my heart. Would our emotions pass the God test? Or would, our, or would we be accused of being emotionalism? Right? That's excess emotion. Do you realize in the story of Samson, his first wife, to get the secret of the riddle, cried before him seven days. Can you imagine seven days? Why don't you tell me the secret? Why don't you tell me this? Seven days. Yeah, just like it got on Samson's last nerve, it get on your last nerve too. So Samson told the secret because he, he was under that intense emotional pressure. And then his second wife did the same thing. Then, then gave him a haircut. But that's another story. Okay? God tests your emotional and intellectual natures by fire to see if it's genuine. To see if what you're saying lines up with what you believe. Right? Okay? Do you realize that the possibility of self-deception exists in us? We can become deceived. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. If the Bible says, be not deceived, then the possibility to be deceived exists. Doesn't it? So, in order to prevent self-deception, God gives us tests. Right? Did God really want Abraham to kill his son? 
No, he just wanted him to be willing to do it. And obeying no matter what. Did Abraham have to kill his son? No, but he showed God how willing he was, didn't he? I mean, you can't get any more willing when the knife's raised in your hand. But what did, what did the angel say? Now I know that we can trust you. That was a test. All right? The only standard we have to test our, right, our rightness is the word of God. Okay? This is the only test that we have. How do we match up to it? Only God can test. Do you agree with God's truth? Or do you just make believe that you do? Do you pretend that you agree? You know, human beings can be good pretenders. Right? How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, everything else is going wrong. I'm okay. Putting on that I'm okay mask. Right? When you're really not okay. But you're just wanting the, the conver- you don't want to get the conversation any deeper. Right? Other than just the greeting. So you say, I'm okay, when you're not. Alright? Are you hiding his word in your heart? Well, if you're hiding it in, in your heart, it'll come out when you need it. Okay? Um, are you thinking on right things or wrong things? And when I say thinking, I'm not talking about having a negative... Listen, negative thoughts are going to come and go. But it's how you dwell on them. Right. How long can a negative thought stay in your terminal? Or is it just passing through? Right? You know, sometimes when, when, when I'm, I'm flying, I go to a gate and I just, I, I, I get off one plane, go to the next gate and get on another plane. I'm just passing through. I'm not spending any time there. And some flights you've had to run because they didn't give you much time. Okay? What is your focus? What is your report? Whose reports will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. What is the quality of your character? All right? Before I give you this, let me just give you some Psalm 17:3. The Bible says, "You have tried my heart." You have visited me in the night. You have tested me and found no evil. All right. Psalm 66, verse 10. For you, God, have tested us. You have refined us like silver. I had to bring that one in because of the illustration today. Amen. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. These are all from the Amplified. Proverbs 17, 3. A crucible for silver a furnace for gold, the Lord is the tester of hearts. Okay? So, how do we pass God's test? I know that you're on the edge of your seat. Verse 3 of Psalm 26. Your loving kindness is before my eyes. I have walked in your truth. The way to pass God's test is be a doer of the word. Walk in the truth. Okay? Uh, verse 4. I have not sit with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers or pretenders. The way to pass God's test, don't sit with deceitful, unethical, or worthless men. Nor seek companionship with pretenders. If you know someone is pretending, I like you, but I'm not going to hang out with you. 
Self-righteous hypocrites. Okay? Verse 5. I hate the congregation of evildoers. You've got to hate evil. Especially evildoers. So I will compass your altar, or no, I will not sit with the wicked. Isn't that what Psalm 1 says? I don't sit in the seat of the scornful. I don't stand in the way of sinners, right? If someone is scorning, maybe they make fun of the church you go to. Guess what? They've just disqualified for fellowship. Okay? Verse 6. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will compass your altar, O Lord. All right? So you keep your hands clean. That means you don't participate with evil. That's how you pass God's test. Right? Joseph passed God's test. He refused to participate with Potiphar's wife. Isn't that right? Gehazi, on the other hand, Elisha said, we're not going to collect any money from Naaman. But Gehazi decided, I'm going to go collect money. What happened? He violated the code and he got leprosy as a result of it. Okay? You see, here's the thing. The devil tells us that our actions aren't going to really bring about a punishment or a reward, but they are. Now, here's where people mess up. Sometimes the punishment isn't quick, so they think they got away with it. Okay? I'll give you an example from the Bible. Do you remember when Moses' brother and sister criticized him for marrying the Ethiopian woman? Right? They both came against Moses, and they said, you know, they were criticizing the leader. And Marion got leprosy right away, didn't she? But nothing happened to Aaron. And the reason nothing happened to Aaron was because he had the mantle of the priest on. But once that mantle was taken off him and put on the son, he died quickly. Because of, of his misspeaking to his brother, who was the leader, he was speaking up against authority. All right? Korah. Uh, anyway, that's, that's another message. All right? Verse 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. The way to pass God's test is live and practice the word and proclaim it effectively. And then speak the word, right? If you're speaking the word, you ought to be doing the word. And if you're doing the word, you ought to be speaking the word. You can't speak the word with power if you don't do it. If you try to quote scripture and you're not living scripture, there's no power there. Nothing's backing you up. You've got to live it to proclaim it powerfully. Amen? All right? Verse 8. How do I pass God's test? Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your honor dwells. I'm a churchgoer. I'm a regular, consistent churchgoer. Come on, somebody. David was a temple dweller. He hung out in the temple. He, he, he not only hung out in the temple, he actually came up with an idea to build God a temple. And God said, no one's ever thought of that. But David thought so much of God that he wanted to build him a house. 
And David couldn't build it, but he provided all the material for it. But he still had that in his mind. Amen? Verse 9. If you want to pass God's test, gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men. Don't sweep a soul away. You know, don't, don't get involved in these things, all right? Uh, verse 10, how to pass God's test. In whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes, right? Don't, don't bribe, don't get involved in wicked schemes, okay? Verse 11, as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be merciful to me. Walk in integrity and enjoy redemption, mercy, and grace. That's how you pass God's test. Listen, if God says, I want to talk to you because I missed it, you say, just say, yes, Lord, I missed it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Be quick to repent and quick to forgive. Say this with you. Say, I'm quick to repent and I'm quick to forgive. The reason David was a good king didn't mean he didn't sin, but when he sinned, he repented quickly. Saul was a bad king because when he sinned, he didn't repent. One repented and his, his heart, he had a heart after God. Another one didn't repent and he lost the anointing. Okay? What does this have to redo, do with renewing the mind? This is called a test on the mind. This is how we pass the test. God's going to test your mind. If you say that I'm a worshiper, he's going to test how you worship. If you say that I'm a lover of God, he's going to test your love for him. Why? God's an authenticator. God is real. He is genuine. He is pure. He is holy. And nothing gets by him. So he'll, if we're make-believing, he'll call us out. Right? Read Matthew 23. Not right now, but it is Jesus' discourse on hypocrites. The whole entire chapter, read after today's service, read it and see how he talked about hypocrites. Whitewashed tombstones, dead men's bones. I mean, they were not flattering words. Okay? Say, so I'm ready to pass God's test. All right, verse 12. My foot stands on an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. If you want to pass God's test, Stand upright and bless the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you know that part of God's gift to us was a sound mind? God did not give to us the spirit of fear, but he gave to us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. God's gift to us is a good quality mind. Go to Philippians chapter 2, then we're going to go to Romans 12. Philippians chapter 2. This is really powerful here. Philippians chapter 2. Maybe you don't feel like you can be like Jesus. But the Bible says you can. Say, I can be like Jesus. Okay? Philippians chapter 2, he tells us, If there be any consolation in Christ... This is starting with verse 1. Any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like what? Like-minded. 
having the same love, being of one accord, of one what? Mind. Oh, my goodness. Be like-minded. Look at your neighbor and say, be like Jesus. We can be like-minded. Why? He gave us what he thinks. He wrote his thoughts down on pages for us to read. All right, verse two, verse uh, three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. What mind would operate in strife? What mind stirs up strife? The old mind, the flesh mind, the sense ruled mind. That's the mind that operates in the realm of strife. If strife is going to originate, it's going to originate in the natural, not the spiritual. Okay. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. That's how we need to treat people. Better than ourselves. Amen? This is what Jesus did. Jesus restored dignity to women. Jesus helped people who were abandoned. Jesus lifted people who were down. Glory to God. All right, verse 4. Look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, let this what? Beware. Oh my goodness. Not only did he say we could be like-minded, but he said let this mind. Whose mind is he talking about? He's talking about the mind of Christ. Who is the mind of Christ? It's the Holy Spirit. He is the one who searches out. He is the one who knows things. Amen. And can we have the Holy Spirit in us? Yeah, he's in us already. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The same mind. The same attitude. The same thoughts. But I thought God's thoughts were higher than our thoughts. Yeah, but when you accepted Jesus, you got the elevator to the top. Yeah, his, his thoughts are up here, but when you got in Christ, he put you right up there. Christ is the elevator. He made us sit together Where? In heavenly places with Christ Jesus. See, I have the mind of Christ. See, I think like Christ. I talk like Christ. I act like Christ. I live like Christ. I give like Christ. I treat people like Christ. That's how we're, that is the essence of Christianity. It is all about being like Christ. Oh my goodness. Let this mind be in you. That's a cho- you've got to choose. He, he didn't say, I'm going to force my mind to be in you. Did he? He said, let this mind be in you. If you want it, you can have it. But if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. You can think like the devil if you want. But I'd rather think like Christ. How do I know what God thinks? Read the book. Read the book. My goodness, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Did Jesus have a different anointing than we do? No, same anointing. Did Jesus have different flesh than we do? No, same flesh. Did Jesus face different temptations than we do? No, same temptations. He was 100% man. 
Everything that any of us face, Jesus faced. The only difference is, he said no, we said yes. When temptation knocked on our door, we said, yeah, come on in. Be my guest. Right? But when temptation knocked on Jesus' door, he said, I'm sorry, you got the wrong address. He didn't let temptation enter in. But we can have the same mind. Oh, hallelujah. Someone say amen. Amen. That is good news, isn't it? Glory to God. Oh, you just, you just act like Jesus. Thank you so much. That's the greatest compliment you could ever give me. You're just like those Jesus people. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right, let's go to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to learn how we can renew our minds. I am so excited that I can change my mind. Glory to God. I'm going to read this. And I'm going to read this from several translations as well, because it's going to give us a greater understanding. Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit, and he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So he's talking to believers. Are brethren believers? Yeah, you may not go to a brethren church, but you are brethren. Right? Brethren means we share the same brother. His name is Jesus. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, God wants us To present our bodies to him. Why? Whose house are our bodies? They're God's house. You were bought with a price. What? You didn't know that you're the temple of the living God, the temple of the Holy Ghost? You've been bought with a price. See, I've been bought. Glory to God. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. So we're supposed to present our bodies. Our hands, our feet, our mouths, our eyes, our ears, our whole bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is reasonable service. Okay, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. So we got to be different. God calls us to be better, but he calls us to be different. We got to be different than the world, and we got to, we improve ourselves in Christ. Okay, be not conformed to this world or the world system or the way the world thinks, or the world's attitude, or the world's mindset. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many has ever seen a caterpillar? You know, sometimes a caterpillar will crawl up into a place and make a cocoon. And while they're in that cocoon, something is working, something is changing, and when the time comes for them to come out of the cocoon, they are no longer a caterpillar. But what are they? They got wings. They're no longer crawling. 
They're flying. They're no longer furry. They're whatever the butterfly wings are. Right? But what happened in the cocoon? A transformation happened. A metamorphosis happened. Something, something was one way and it became a totally different thing in the cocoon. Hallelujah. We can become someone totally different in the cocoon of our minds. We can go in like a caterpillar, but we can come out like a butterfly. We can go in weak and we can come out strong. We can go in sick and we can come out healed. We can go in, hallelujah, poor and we can come out rich. That's the change that we can be transformed. How do we transform our lives? By the renewing of our minds. Getting new information. Getting a new thought process. Thinking differently about things. Someone say praise the Lord. What does it mean to renew? A renewal or change of heart and life. If you're tired, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then change. Amen? Say, I can change. If you change your mind, you change your circumstances, you change your life. Amen? It's to renew is a new development achieved by God's power. It's a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. Amen? Hallelujah. The enemy to renewal is being conformed to the world. The world, J.B. Phillips said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The enemy wants to squeeze you. Jesus wants to free you. Amen? Hallelujah. Take heed of forming plans for happiness by only the world's standard. Because the world is going to pass away. What's going to outlast the world? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. So what a better, what a better substance to change our minds with is something that will never pass away. So when you change your mind with the word, you're making a lasting change. A longing change. It's not going to wear out. You know? It's not going to, you don't need a guarantee. It's not, you don't, it's going to last more than 20 years. It's going to last more than 40 years. It's going to last more than a millennium. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many want to change a habit? Anybody ever have a bad habit besides me? Well, you know what? You can change a habit. Now, it takes about 30 days of consistently doing something different. But you do that, you, you apply that pressure for 30 days, and that old habit will be history. And you'll have a new habit. Amen? Glory to God. Let me read this from the New Living Translation. And I want you to listen. I want you to take in. Amen? Say, Holy Spirit, help me see what you're saying. All right, this is from the New Living Translation. So, dear brothers and sisters... I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice. 
the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Hallelujah. Let me read this from the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifice. How many want to be God's sacred living sacrifice? And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. Wow. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But he, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. All right? Hallelujah. This is the J.B. Phillips, what I referenced before. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship. We got some intelligent worshipers here. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know why I raise my hands? I'm giving my hands as a living sacrifice. You know what this means? I'm free. Everybody raise your hands. Just put your hands in the air. Say, I'm free. Say, it's good to be free. Say, God made me free. I'm enjoying my freedom. Hallelujah. All the religious enemies just left the house. These people are getting free. Stop it, stop it. Okay, um, as an intelligent act of worship to give your bodies a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds. Are we not clay? And is he not a potter? What can a potter do to clay? He can shape it, he can form it, he can fix it, and he can fill it. Woo, glory to God. So when he puts his hands on you, just let him, let, let him apply that pressure there. He's just smoothing out the rough surfaces. Okay? Um, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is for your good. It meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. This is the voice. The voice. Is it okay reading scripture? This is from the voice. Uh, Brothers and sisters, in light of all, I have shared with you about God's mercies. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God. Notice, this was, it's, it's, it's a strong request that Paul is making. I urge you. Okay? And uh, sacred offerings that bring him pleasure. This is your reasonable, essential worship. Do not allow this world to mold you into its own image. Instead, be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of your mind. As a result, you'll be able to discern what God's will is and whenever God finds good, pleasing, and uh, complete. Hallelujah. And this is the God's Word translation. All right? 
I'm drilling this word into you today. You're going to leave here renewed. You're going to leave here filled. You're going to leave here healed. You're going to leave here blessed. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm washing you with the water of the word. I'm, I'm, as my friend in Tennessee said, I'm applying the Drano. And it's flushing all the junk out, but here's another word. This is the God's word translation. Brothers and sisters, in view of all that we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, dedicated to God and pleasing to him. You know, in, in the days of Nehemiah, they, read, they stood up and read the Bible for four hours or so. Anyway, just a side note, won't cost you anything extra. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. Don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Say, I'm changing the way I think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants, what is good and pleasing and perfect. I mean, our mind is our understand, is our understanding and our reasoning, right? And, and we're influenced by the Holy Spirit. He came to live in us. He came to show us a better way. Amen. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. The book of Titus chapter 3. Hallelujah. Look at verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. You can't change your mind through works. You can't be good enough if you will to be good enough. This is Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. Hallelujah. Thank God for God's mercy. Right? He saved us. Oh, hallelujah. Say, I'm saved. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit will lead God and direct you to the scriptures that will have the most effect on your situation. He will lead you to the ones that you need in the moment, at the time. Amen. He will direct and guide you because he's, he's a renewer. Hallelujah. He's the fire of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We have the ability to change our minds. We can go from here to here. Just like that. When you renew your mind... You change your course. You readjust your course. And it sets you on the right path with God. Every one of us is on a path. And we're not supposed to be concerned about what's to the right or what's to the left. We're supposed to focus on Jesus because this is a narrow path. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. But narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. Some people have veered off the path. They are opening themselves up to destruction because they're not following the path. They're not following Christ. Whatever they're following, it's not Jesus because you can see, you'll see the results in their life. And like I said, it may not be immediate, but they're going to come. That's why we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm ready to change. Amen? I'm beginning a journey today to 
renew my mind on some things. To renew my leadership. To renew my vision. Amen? To recalibrate. Sometimes we just need to recalibrate. You ever been on a scale and you, and you put a feather on it and it says like 10 pounds? That's, that scale needs to be recalibrated. It needs to be adjusted because it's given the wrong weight. Right? That scale says I'm 10 pounds more than what I should be. So today is a day to recalibrate your thinking. Maybe you think bad about church. You know, some people, well, I don't want to be involved in church because it's this or that. But you know what? Um, the church is God's house. The church is God's people. This is God's work. You know, there's no perfect church on earth. You want a perfect church? You're going to have to go to heaven for that. Right? But we do the best that we can in following God with our heart. Amen? And God wants us to renew our minds. He wants us to fill, take his information and put it in our lives because we can actually live this book out. This is not just a coffee setter. This is an actual practical book that you can apply your life to and that you can do every day. Every word in this book is doable. Every promise in this book is haveable. Every principle in this book is workable. God made it that way. This book is alive. This is God's very word speaking to us. This is from his heart to our heart. He left this for us as a guide. And not just a book, but he gave us a coach called the Holy Ghost. He gave us the author of this book to reside in us. You can ask him any question that you want. He will show you the hidden truths that are in this book. He will take you to depths that you've never gone to. He will take you to heights that you've never been to. The Holy Ghost. Amen. But we got to think differently. Are you ready to think differently today? Are you ready to renew your mind today? Are you ready to come up higher today? Amen. If you're dealing with a sickness, I want you to think health. If you're dealing with a loss, I want you to think of restoration. If you feel like you don't have help, I want you to think of the presence of God. Because he's very present when you need help. God always shows up when you need help. He said, call on me and I will answer you. God is here to answer us us today. He is here to help us today. And he is here to touch us today with his anointing and his power and his goodness and his love. If you know that you need to make a change in how you have thought about things versus how God wants you to think about things, today is your day. Amen? Today is the day where things get turned around. Your situation gets turned around. It goes from bad to good. It goes from dark to light. It goes from dead to life. Amen? So if you need a situation turned, I'm not going to ask you what the situation is, but I'm just going to release the anointing of God. Amen? But you're, 
But when you come up here today, you're saying, God, I'm ready to change, and I'm here to make a change, and I receive the information that I need to make that change in the name of Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want you to be brave, be bold, and be courageous, and come up here right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I've said all that I could say, and there's probably a lot more that I could say, but this is where God does the heavy lifting. God is for you. He's not against you. God is your biggest cheerleader. He's not your biggest opponent. He is good. He is your father. He loves you. He is concerned about every aspect of your life. I just want you to, those that are up here right now, just worship him a little bit. If you can pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Just, or just do your best to worship him the best you know how. Hallelujah. This is the work of the Holy Spirit right now. He is beginning to take over. Amen. Hallelujah. The jet engine is about to kick in. Glory to God. The power from on high is about to be poured out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have brought these here today and they're ready to make a change. They're ready to step up. Lord, they're ready to improve their situation in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you right now for the anointing of God to destroy yokes and remove the burdens and set them on the right path, set them on the right course, make the adjustments that need to be made in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive the anointing of God right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, receive the wisdom and the anointing of God right now. In Jesus' name, his great grace is upon you. Hallelujah. Father, I give you thanks and praise. She receives the anointing right now in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your power and your goodness and 